Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. And today we are talking about a health issue that uh, selfishly I brought up to Kristen to cover because uh, I was recently diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune disease that affects your thyroid. And um, I had brought it up to my doctor after I had started feeling certain symptoms like uh, generally gaining more weight than expected, feeling really exhausted all the time, not sleeping particularly well and some other stuff. And she said, you know, well, we will just to be on the safe side. You know, when we do your blood work, we'll do a full thyroid workup. Well, so when I got all my results back, everything was um, pretty normal and, and okay, except for one particular thyroid measurement, which in a normal range should be around like 10 mm-hmm. or so, under 20 for sure. Mine was 824. Whoa. Yeah, those were some antibodies, good old antibodies. And so my doctor sent me to get a an ultrasound, a thyroid ultrasound. Um, which was okay. You know, I don't have thyroid cancer. I don't have any nodules. It is a, a little bit misshapen. You know, it's kind of like a, an old car that maybe has had some shopping carts run into it. Your thyroid? Yeah, my thyroid. It's a little, it's a little beat up. It's had some fender benders. It's had some fender benders. And so the combination of my antibodies being off the frickin' charts and my slightly abnormal, but nothing too scary ultrasound basically confirmed that I have Hashimoto's, which is named for the guy who discovered it. It's not just like a particularly unique Japanese condition. Yeah, his name was Hakaru Hashimoto, and he discovered this in 1912, but not in Japan, in Germany. So in case that kind of medical knowledge interests you, now you know. Now you can win at trivia. Exactly. But yeah, we wanted to uh, talk about this with you today because... Thyroid issues are actually pretty common, and uh, not only are they pretty common, um, but they can really mess up some systems in your body. Yeah, and first of all, let's talk a little bit about what the thyroid is, because I don't think that a lot of people, myself included, are that familiar with the thyroid functioning. I think we all know that it exists and it's there, but what it actually does uh, might not be as well known. So we got some information from the National Institutes of Health, and your thyroid is a gland in your neck, and what you read over and over and over again is that it's butterfly-shaped. Yes, I refer to mine as my meat butterfly. Oh. And I say that it's a little chubby. A little sluggish, a little chubby. A little chubby meat butterfly in your neck. (laughs) Anyway, so your thyroid um, is one of your endocrine glands, which make hormones. And as you might imagine, hormones are pretty important for some stuff. So to break it down, your endocrine system um, is instrumental in regulating things like mood, growth and development, tissue function, and very importantly, metabolism, as well as sexual function and reproductive processes. It basically has a hand in almost everything that is not the nervous system. Yeah. And the thyroid in particular produces thyroid hormones. And the two main ones are T- 
three and T4. And those are the thyroid hormones that doctors will often test for if you are showing symptoms of some kind of thyroid disorder. And those T3 and T4 hormones in particular help regulate how fast you burn calories. Obviously, uh, they're instrumental in your metabolism and also control how fast your heart beats. Yeah, and so if you have basically a sluggish thyroid or an overactive thyroid, um, which we will kind of talk to you about the differences there, um, it really does have a big effect on the different chemical reactions and the speed at which those reactions occur in your body. And as we'll talk about more in the podcast, one other reason why we wanted to focus in on the thyroid and these thyroid hormones on Stuff Mom Never Told You is that these kind of symptoms and issues happen far more to women than men. And the kind of issues that we're talking about when your thyroid is out of whack include things like goiters, which would be enlargement of your thyroid gland or your meat butterfly. <laughs> oh, fat little meat butterfly. No. Um, yeah, and you could also have thyroiditis, which is the swelling of the thyroid. Nodules, those are lumps in your thyroid gland. You might have to have a biopsy to get those looked at. And thyroid cancer as well. Um, And the two main things that we're going to focus on today are hyperthyroidism, which is basically when your thyroid makes more thyroid hormones than your body needs, and hypothyroidism when it makes not enough. So how many people are affected by hypo or hyperthyroidism? According to the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which came out in 1994, I found that hypothyroidism is found in 4.6% of the population compared to hyperthyroidism, which is less common. And it's found in 1.3% of the population. And that might sound like really dated data, because it came out in 1994, but that is actually the most recent research done like this. Right, Caroline? Right. It's a giant study that um, basically like groups like the CDC and National Institutes of Health use to pull from. So the actual study that we're talking about that focuses just on the thyroid aspect actually came out in 2001. And so these giant kind of cross-sectional studies that look at huge numbers of the population are very useful for scientists to pull different types of health data from. So don't worry, we're not just, you know, lazy and, you know, our thyroids aren't all slow all the time. We aren't just hanging out in the 90s wearing flannel talking about old school thyroids. Right. My thyroid is not listening to grunge. But so in this study focusing just on the thyroid, um, researchers found that the thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH and the prevalence of anti-thyroid antibodies indicating thyroid disease were greater in women, increased with age, and were greater in white people and Mexican-Americans than in black individuals. So next up, let's dive into what actually happens in the case of hyperthyroidism, which is your body making too much of, say, the, the T3 and T4 thyroid hormones. Well, when this goes on, basically a lot of things in your body are going to speed up because remember the thyroid is so instrumental in your metabolism. So symptoms include things like nervousness, moodiness, feeling weak or tired, having hand tremors, irregular heartbeats, feeling hot, sweaty, having frequent and sometimes loose bowel movements, losing weight, even if you're eating normally. Um, and also some women have irregular menstrual cycles or stop having periods altogether. And for some men, they might develop enlarged breasts. 
And the most common cause in the United States of hyperthyroidism is Graves' disease. Um, it is an immune system, the kind of the counterpoint to the one that I have, Hashimoto's, uh, that attacks the thyroid, which ends up fighting back by making too much of the thyroid hormone, and it tends to run in families. Hyperthyroidism can also be caused by a swollen thyroid or thyroid nodules. And Caroline, when uh, I was learning about Graves' disease, because it's such an ominous-sounding mm-hmm. name, I wanted to know why it's called Graves' disease. And it's just named for the Irish doctor, Robert James Graves. That sounded Scottish. Well, you know, maybe he spent a little time over there, too. So, but moving back to my my normal voice, uh, if left untreated, Graves' disease can lead to a lot of complications like heart rhythm disorders, uh, changes in the structure and function of your heart muscles, and the inability of your heart to pump enough blood to the body. So if you don't get it checked out, obviously Graves' disease is really bad for you, especially for your cardiovascular health. Yeah, and it can cause something called thyroid storm, which is a rare condition, but it is life-threatening and ended, ends up causing a number of effects like fever, profuse sweating, uh, severely low blood pressure, and even coma. Um, but something slightly less scary, but still bad, hyperthyroidism can also cause osteoporosis if left unchecked. But there are also pretty straightforward treatments out there for Graves' disease. Uh, for instance, if your doctor has figured out that there might be some thyroid problems going on, but they're still narrowing it down to something like Graves' disease, they might put you on beta blockers, which will block the thyroid's effect. Um, and then if they pinpoint Graves' disease, I thought this was kind of fascinating, you get a one-dose treatment of radioactive iodine that just destroys part of your thyroid. Yeah, you can also take antithyroid medicine um, if your symptoms are mild. And uh, that's actually the treatment that doctors use most often. But you can also have surgery to remove most of the thyroid. And, of course, you know, if you get your thyroid removed, you have to be on medicine for the rest of your life to kind of keep your hormones regulated. Because if you're missing a part of your endocrine system, you know, stuff can get wacky. It's incredible to think of how powerful that such a small piece of tissue mm-hmm. is in our bodies. I know. And and really, the thyroid, like, literally is something I never thought of until I started kind of feeling like, man, you know, I'm gaining more weight than ever. I can't lose it. I feel just different and weird. And I feel like I'm angry all the time. You know, like, when you start feeling weird and out of control of your body, that's a pretty good time to go to your doctor. Absolutely. And because those symptoms that you just ticked off, first of all, are probably kind of confusing because I feel like there have been so many different women's health issues that we've highlighted that touch on Mm -hmm. a lot of those symptoms. And if you look at the symptom list for hypothyroidism, which is when your body is not making enough thyroid hormone. You have all of those things that you just mentioned, Caroline. And then on top of that, things like brittle nails, you can get a yellowish tint to your skin. You might feel cold. Uh, you might have memory problems, constipation, again, having heavy or irregular menstrual cycles. Yeah. And because of just like the wide variety of symptoms, it's very easy for thyroid disorders to be confused with other things. And hypothyroidism can often be mistaken for things like depression, especially during and after pregnancy, which we'll get into. And in older people, it can be confused with Alzheimer's, dementia, and other conditions that cause memory problems. So, you know, if you or your parents or whoever, you know, have a clean bill of health as far as their brains go, it might be time to look into the thyroid if you're really concerned. Because 
you know, with with thyroid disorders, when you start feeling depressed, I mean, a lot of doctors, their first instinct is just to be like, well, let's get you on some antidepressants or an anti-anxiety. And and for a lot of people, if, you know, you're reading the message boards and listservs and things out there about thyroid disorders, you know, it just won't it won't fix it. Mm-hmm. You you really won't feel much better. Um but in the United States, the mo- just like in hyperthyroidism with Graves' disease, the most common cause of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And it causes, just like in Graves, the body's immune system to attack the thyroid tissue. As a result, the gland cannot make enough thyroid hormone. And the crazy and unfortunate thing about Hashimoto's is one of its hallmarks is shifting back and forth between hypo and hyperthyroidism. It's not fair. And so a couple years ago, this made me think back to a couple years ago when I started. I was 26 and I started having severe migraines. Mm-hmm. I was having heart palpitations. I was sweaty all the time, uh, nervous, you know, generally anxious. And I'm wondering now, you know, now that I don't just have hypothyroidism, I have an actual autoimmune disorder that causes it. I'm just wondering if I was going through a period of hyper thyroidism Uh, back in my mid-20s, and now it's gone back the other direction. Well, and it seems like if Hashimoto's can switch you back and forth between those, that it has to be even more challenging to get a correct diagnosis for it. Right. Because, you know, back back then, I just went to a neurologist. I got migraine medicine, and that was that. But it didn't stop the migraines. And then now, you know, I'm entering the period where I'm gaining weight and I'm not having as many headaches. And so I'm wondering, like, mm. what's going on? And it's just my my body is desperately trying to adjust itself, I think. Well, at the very least, in, in your situation, the, the good news is that you were able to catch it before more extreme complications happen, such as something like a, a goiter, which you see more often in developing nations uh, because it's more linked to uh, it can be linked to dietary things as partially why a lot of salt that we eat is iodized because it helps keep your thyroid in check. Um, but goiters happen when you have constant stimulation of your thyroid, which releases more hormones that can cause the gland to become enlarged. And basically, the enlarged thyroid is a goiter. Yeah, yes. And I'm not willing to call mine that yet. It, a goiter? No, I have a goiter. My neck still does not appear. Well, and they can all, I mean, it's not just a, uh, like a looks thing. It also can affect breathing and swallowing. Yeah. So, yeah. That is, it's bad. And for the record, you have a, a lovely neck. Thank you. Um, well, just as in graves, uh, Hashimoto's can cause heart problems. And interestingly enough, because I have slightly elevated cholesterol, um, not to make this all about me all the time, <laughs> but, um, Hashimoto's can, uh, be associated with high levels of low density lipoprotein, which is LDL, bad cholesterol. So that can lead to heart problems if you don't get on medication. And then there are also the mental health issues that you mentioned. And then something called myxedema, which is a rare life-threatening condition that can develop due to long-term hypothyroidism as a result of the untreated Hashimoto's. And the symptoms include intense cold intolerance and drowsiness, followed by lethargy and unconsciousness. Basically, if this stuff starts happening, you need to go to the ER. Right. Immediately. Right. And so looking at treatments for Hashimoto's, all is not lost. It is not hopeless. Doctors usually prescribe thyroid hormone pills, the most common of which is levothyroxine. um, And it's a man-made form of your T4 
hormone and it's it's exactly the same as what your body makes. Um it doesn't always work for some people. Like I'm on my doctor put me on a the very lowest possible dose just to kind of test it out and I'm going back soon for more blood work to follow up and see how my antibodies are doing. But the thing is, like, I don't feel like many of my symptoms have really changed. And so in that case, it's important for me to talk to my doctor about do we need to alter the dose, you know, anything like that. And some people are actually on something called desiccated thyroid hormone, which in recent years has kind of fallen out of favor, but is is starting to get back on the upswing. And that used to be the only treatment for hypothyroidism. And it is basically like pig thyroid. Uh, and it's it's kind of, you know, it's freeze-dried, ground-up, whatever, put into a pill form. And, and that actually has shown to help a lot of people. Well, and when it comes to the a lot of people that that might be helping, there is a very good chance that most of them are women. Mm-hmm. Because in this episode, like up until now, it might just sound like a straight-up just health podcast, but the one of the major risk factors... For high, uh, for thyroid issues is being a woman. This affects women far and away more often than men. Yeah. And the thing that we were, Kristen and I were discussing about this issue is that it's not 100% clear cut as to why. And, you know, we'll, t- we'll talk about some pregnancy stuff and, and hormone stuff and that there are links uh, with thyroid and how it affects you during pregnancy. And, and my, my very uneducated hypothesis would be that because of some of these links between thyroid issues and hormones and then thus pregnancy, you know, women are the only ones getting pregnant mm-hmm. so far. And so I do wonder if, if pre- you know, if pregnancy does play a very large role in it. But let's look at the numbers first. Yeah, the numbers are staggering. Uh, experts estimate that women are between five to eight times more likely than men to have a thyroid problem. And those differences only increase after age 34. A lot of times, uh, the older you are as a woman, uh, the higher your chances of developing a thyroid disorder. So for instance, about eight out of 10 people with thyroid disease are women. And for yet another statistic, one in eight women will develop a thyroid disorder during her lifetime. Yeah. And by the time we reach age 60, more than 20 percent of us being American women will have a thyroid disorder. And, you know, just like many, many health conditions and other things out there, when you take into account the fact that a lot of people go undiagnosed, the numbers are probably a lot higher because so many of the symptoms we listed can be anything else. Mm. And, you know, it should we should pause here and say, go to your doctor. Please do not self-diagnose. Do not assume that you have a thyroid disorder. Because a lot of those things like thinning hair, feeling cold, having brittle nails, Maybe you're just not eating enough vegetables. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There are plenty of things that it could be. Um, but what's interesting too about thyroid disorders and women is that a lot of times when we hear about these more gendered health issues, the answer will be, well, old estrogen is up to her dirty old tricks, but it's probably not just tied to estrogen because you see these kinds of disorders cropping up both pre and post menopausal. Whereas if you look at other kinds of women's health issues, a lot of times it'll hit after uh, or like during your reproductive years and then fade away post menopause. Right. Because there are plenty of women and girls out there who were born with congenital thyroid issues. That is certainly not just tied to estrogen. Um, and Rhoda Coben, who is the clinical professor of medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, 
pointed that out, that, you know, these conditions can happen anytime, so it's probably not solely linked to that. And she says, it is likely that the gender predisposition is likewise genetically mediated. In other words, women may inherit a predisposition to these disorders based on their gender. So that's clear as mud, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also uh, Turner syndrome, which is a complete or partial absence of the second sex chromosome. And it's a genetic disorder that affects solely women. And as many as half of patients with Turner syndrome have hypothyroidism. So there are certain conditions that lend themselves more to just women having hypothyroidism. And next up, one thing that we've got to talk about when it comes to women and thyroid issues is the pregnancy link. And we'll get into that right after we take a quick break. Okay, well, we were just discussing how being a woman is one of the main risk factors for having thyroid disease. And we want to get into the pregnancy link because, you know, your thyroid is part of your endocrine system, which regulates all your hormones, which regulates everything going on in your body. And so obviously pregnancy, menstruation, ovulation, these things are heavily tied into that too. Yeah, and pregnancy is one of those things on the doctor's checklist in a way. If you come in complaining of all of these thyroid-related symptoms, they'll typically want to know whether or not you've been pregnant because if the answer is yes, that usually spotlights thyroid issues a little more strongly um, because of how during pregnancy your immune system is suppressed and that alters the thyroid function. So before you even um, consider getting pregnant or if you are starting to consider getting pregnant, one thing you do want to have checked out if you feel like you're having trouble conceiving is your thyroid because in premenopausal women, early symptoms of hypothyroidism can interfere with fertility. If you have a history of miscarriage, for example, that could be a sign of hypothyroidism. And a pregnant woman with hypothyroidism has a fourfold risk for miscarriage. And most women with overt hypothyroidism have menstrual cycle abnormalities and often fail to ovulate. But in the case that you do get pregnant, uh, you might not think about uh, thyroid issues being related to that. But actually, during early pregnancy for the first 10 to 12 weeks, the baby is completely dependent on the mother for the production of thyroid hormone. And so by the end of the first trimester, you have the baby's thyroid beginning to produce some hormone on its own. However, it's still going to remain dependent on the mother for ingestion of iodine, which is essential to making the thyroid hormone. And again, why we eat iodized salt. Right, exactly. So, and actually, side note, we're having a lot of problems even in our developed world now with iodine because we're all eating that like fancy oh. salt, like all of that sea salt stuff that's all flavored and fancy and whatever. I love sea salt. It's not iodized. So make sure like maybe put fancy salts on your fancy meats and things. But if you're just doing some general cooking, Dr. Caroline recommends that you use regular salt that has iodine in it. And even be careful because some of that kosher salt, too, does not have iodine. So just check the label, people. Oh, man, I like my fancy salts. I do, too. I like your I like your fancy <laughs> salt also. Um, but let's look at the effects on the actual fetus. So you are pregnant, and whether you have hypothyroidism or hyper, there can be various effects on your unborn child. Um, a 1993 Italian study and, and the Mayo Clinic provided some information on hypothyroidism's effect on the fetus. 
untreated hypothyroidism, uh, especially produced by Hashimoto's, can impair, this is terrible, can impair the neurological development of the fetus due to the reduced availability of maternal thyroid hormones during early gestation. What can this meaty butterfly not do to wreak havoc on our bodies, Caroline? I know. I'm starting to not be a fan of the thyroid, not to be dramatic about things. Well, I think your thyroid is probably fine. You should love yours. I guess so. But we can team up against mine. Okay. Okay. I don't like your meaty butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so mean to say. That's okay. And speaking of reasons to be frustrated with the thyroid, uh, speaking of hypothyroidism in pregnancy, there could be a link between that and birth defects, such as a cleft palate. And also there's a link between hypothyroid pregnancies and heart, brain and kidney problems in infants. Right. So your thyroid is nothing to mess around with if you want to get pregnant and have children, because it could have some completely horrific effects. On both you and your child. Yeah, and not just for hypo, but also for hyperthyroidism. This is also coming from the Mayo Clinic as well. There are complications, possibly, of Graves' disease during pregnancy, such as preterm birth, fetal thyroid dysfunction, poor fetal growth, and preeclampsia, which um, we've talked about in other podcasts, which is a condition that results in high blood pressure and elevated proteins in the urine. And I think it can endanger the pregnancy, if I'm not mistaken. So if you are already at risk for a thyroid issue or if you already have one going into pregnancy, it can, as we have just told you, it can really screw some stuff up. And the screwiness does not stop once you have the baby, because when a woman gets pregnant, her immune system is suppressed and the function of the thyroid gland is altered. And in most women, the thyroid regains its normal functioning after pregnancy when the immune system is released from its suppression but for some, the thyroid gland never fully recovers. And in that case, it's referred to as postpartum thyroiditis. And according to Dr. Coben, who we cited earlier, who is a clinical professor of medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, she talks about how this postpartum thyroiditis can either cause the fluctuation between hyper and hypo. And in some cases, uh, this condition can just resolve itself. In others, it can intensify. And in some, it can persist for a lifetime. So the net net of all of that is yet again to be vigilant about your thyroid health, especially if you have been pregnant because of all of these ripple effects that can happen. Right. And I mean, the fact that 10 percent of women who get pregnant in the U.S. will probably have postpartum thyroiditis is definitely nothing to sneeze at. And yeah, like we said, you just when you're getting pregnant and going to carry a little human inside of you, you know, this is just another reason to be extra careful. Yeah. And not to continue on the train of thyroids are horrible. Uh, we do have a little bit more dismal news to share in the thyroid department, which is that thyroid cancer is the fastest growing cancer among women. And this was reported over at Yahoo Health, but it was coming from a study published in the Journal of Cancer Epidemiology in 2013. And it reported that not only have rates of thyroid cancer gone up by 240% over the past 20 years, it's expected to become the third most common cancer in the U.S. by 2019. Now, the good news is, is that it's pretty treatable, that the, uh, the the fatality rate from thyroid cancer isn't high. But the question is, wow, why why are we seeing such a giant leap? And why does it hate women? 
Because while thyroid cancer incidence rates have increased worldwide for decades, uh, it's mostly for papillary carcinomas than other types and more for females than males. And women are much more likely to get papillary carcinoma than than men are. And just one more piece of bad news for Caroline Irvin. Women with Hashimoto's are at an increased risk for it, according to the Journal of Surgical Research. Currently, thyroid cancer is the fifth most common cancer for U.S. women. And as for why it is on the rise, there are two main reasons that are talked about. One being the increasing use of medical imaging to detect smaller early cancers like those papillary carcinomas. But there's also a theory that we have been more in contact with environmental carcinogens and increased exposure to medical radiation, actually, Mm -hmm. that can up your risk. Yeah, so, yes, these cancers are increasing, thyroid cancers are increasing, but on the one hand, we're doing more medical imaging, so more things are being caught that maybe wouldn't otherwise be caught, but also large cancers are actually increasing, and so... It's just one more health thing to be very vigilant of. Yeah, and one way that you can be vigilant of this is in the same way that we're told as women over and over again to do breast Mm self-exams to check for lumps. You can also check your neck to check for any lumps there. And basically, you just tip your head back, take a sip of water, and as you're swallowing, you just check around your neck for any bulges or protrusions other than what, you know, your your trachea. Right, (laughs) yeah. Like what should be there. Right, and what's kind of scary to think about is, you know, to me personally, is that no one had ever checked my thyroid before. Yeah. You know, every time I go to the gynecologist, everything is checked. Uh, She even does a breast exam. I mean, The bases are typically covered, or I thought all the bases were covered, but she had never once put her hands around my neck like she was choking me, because that's basically how your doctor has it. It's like she's choking you, uh, feeling your thyroid. And so when I actually expressed to my internist my my at my physical that I was having all these symptoms, that's when she did get up and put her fingers on my neck to feel it. And she said it did feel enlarged. And so that started out the whole all of the testing. And so it's very important as we've said before, to be your own advocate in your health care um, and make sure that you know all of the risks that are out there because there's so many and and ask for those appropriate tests. Yeah, and especially with something like this where it disproportionately affects women. But for what reason? We still don't know. Yeah. You know, that's that's definitely concerning that mm-hmm. it's still a giant question mark as to what it is about the female biology, anatomy, physiology that is setting us up for to being at such a high risk right. of thyroid issues. And I'm not necessarily in a place where in my life where I'm thinking about children. But if I were to think about children, I mean, I have to like you've got to be on some serious medicine and be constantly monitored if you're going to get pregnant and have children when you have a thyroid issue. Yeah, um, but I hope that this might be helpful for listeners out there who might have experienced some of these symptoms, might be wondering what's going on in their own bodies, might have received a Hashimoto's diagnosis like you, Caroline. I'm sure it's helpful to know that there are other people out there going through this. Um, so we want to hear from you. Have you experienced 
thyroid issues? Um, is this a, a health concern of yours? Let us know. Momstuffdiscovery.com is where you can email us. You can also reach out to us uh, via Twitter at momstuffpodcast, or you can send us a message on Facebook as well. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now, in fact. So we've got a couple of letters here in response to our episode on sex trafficking. And I have one here from Anouk who writes, When I was living in Amsterdam, I saw an item on TV about sex trafficking and decided to take some action. Since I had no idea how to contact women who had been saved from traffickers, I contacted a sex workers organization. And they put me in contact with someone who had had escaped human traffickers. This organization for sex workers had a website warning for sex trafficking. It had been translated in lots of different languages, and I did wonder how many women they actually reached with it. I later came into contact with an organization that organized a buddy project for women who had just escaped. The idea was that this isolated and foreign woman meets a Dutch woman about once a week for a cup of coffee so she won't become too isolated. Before anyone is put into contact, the Dutch woman had to participate in a couple of workshops about the theme, and I also later went to a congress about the topic. The main problems there are with helping victims are that they're often too afraid of the police because they can come from countries where the police are corrupt. Or to be able to win a court case, they need a detailed account of who did what to them and when. A doctor at the Congress explained why this is impossible for a majority of women because they're usually very traumatized and have often been beaten. Two reasons why their memory isn't as sharp as usual and it also takes a lot of courage to be able to tell all the awful and embarrassing things that have been done to you. So just some insight into the atrocities of human and sex trafficking going on. So thanks, Anouk. Well, I have a Facebook message here from Heather who said that sex trafficking is a topic that she is very passionate about. And she says, I've tried to get involved in my community and college concerning this issue. Here are some awesome organizations that are attacking this problem. Rahab's Rope is based locally in Gainesville, Georgia, but works in India, rehabilitating women and teaching them skills for other means of employment. The Sold Project believes, as I do, that the main issue is really about education. The more education someone has, the more opportunities and choices they can make about their employment. They create scholarships for children in Thailand to end the cycle of poverty and trafficking in their families. Finally, Love 146 attacks the problem from three angles, prevention, care, and rehabilitation. And Heather provided the web addresses. They are rahabsrope.com, thesoldproject.com, and love146.org. So thank you very much for those resources, Heather. And thanks to everybody who's written in to us. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send us all of your letters. You can also tweet us at Momstuff Podcast or send us a message on Facebook. And you should, before you do anything else at all, head over to the internet home for stuff Mom Never Told You, which includes all of our videos, podcasts, blogs, and all of our social media presences, which are a lot. Kind of like all the things I'm saying right now. <laughs> There's one place to go, and that's stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com offers thousands of engaging, easy-to-follow video tutorials taught by industry experts to help you learn software, creative, and business skills. Membership starts at $25 a month and provides unlimited 24-7 access. Try Lynda.com free for seven days by visiting Lynda.com slash momstuff.